This episode of Podcast Iron is brought to you by White House Station Hot Sauce Company. Family owned and operated in scenic Hunterdon County, New Jersey. Visit them at whitehousesauceco.com or on their Instagram page at White House Sauce Co. Hey, what's going on? This is Cast Iron Kyle, and you've tuned in for another episode of Podcast Iron. The show where we talk about everything cast iron, vintage cast iron, new cast iron, how to maintain, how to cook, how to use, and how to hide learn babies. How to hide babies in your orders, <laughs> thanks to my newest reel. Did you see that? That's hilarious. I, dude, I, I've been you doing hide, that. For, oh, he, he hides a little tiny plastic every baby. Every once in a while. In not every box. order. Not every order. Every once in a while, I will say, hey, this person ordered for me again. Let me throw in a baby, a little plastic baby in the I order. I just threw it around the room. You need to make that a thing. <laughs> so, like, so if listen. somebody finds one, you win a, a little bumper sticker or something. You so, know what I mean? Like, so you need to make it a, a thing. A bumper sticker. So I had a few people reach out. After I posted that reel, and they were saying something about like king cakes, king cakes. I said, "What the what the hell is king cakes? King cakes." And it said, "Cast Iron Kyle, King of King Cakes." And it said, "How many king cakes did you eat?" And I said, "I don't know what that means." <laughs> and they wrote, "In New Orleans, this is a thing. Those babies are baked into each king cake traditionally. What? They so put like, little what? plastic babies in a cake. It's a choking hazard." So I'm like, "Okay, first off, I don't <laughs> live in New Orleans, and These second off." For, for reference, these little babies are smaller than, than a quarter. Yeah. They're smaller than a quarter. And they're okay? they, they literally, literally tiny little babies. <laughs> patch of hair can, on I, it? can I tell you? Did you color hair on this baby? No, it looks like me, actually. <laughs> it's got it's like a little, little yarmulke looking thing on top. Dude, can it's I tell so you, funny. why does the sentence little plastic babies make me laugh so hard? But anyway, I thought, you know what? This is this is this just is a board, funny thing to do. This is bored baby. He's going to live on the board. Bored baby. Bored baby, bored baby. Um, so I just thought it would be a funny thing to just throw into people's orders, and I didn't <laughs> expect the reel to get. Okay, let's see how many views that reel got. Let's see. Uh, because it's a silly little thing. I, I 17,813 <laughs> plays. Because there's some people that are like putting in little nice little notes like, thanks for your business, which is sweet. Yes. But then it's like, here's a plastic baby. It's funny. But somebody, Do with it what so you will. Somebody messaged me, one of the people that I sent the baby to, the little plastic baby to. <laughs> They said, I got... One of the people I sent the baby to. They said, what the fuck? Like, this was in my order. What the fuck? And I wrote... I said, it's now your mission to send this baby out into the world to get it to someone else. <laughs> like, just to make it... <laughs> and they're like, that is hilarious. I'm going to put it in my sister's Christmas package. She exactly. lives in Alaska. That's so hilarious. I'm going to send a little plastic baby to Alaska via, uh, you know, this, New Jersey. This started... Didn't you originally buy it to drop it around the house? And, oh, and dude, I put him in my girlfriend... In Christie's yeah, hide um, girlfriend school stuff. stuff. She would go to school and so, she'd text me, one of those little plastic babies popped out at my, you know, my staff meeting the other day. It was so, so fun. So that's what you should be doing with these if you get one of them. Hide it somewhere. Hide them somewhere, just, yes. Because it just little confuses plastic people. Yes. Hilarious. So, All right. That, so, so that was great. Anyway. On more of a serious note, in this episode of Podcast Iron, episode number two, I have a Really big announcement in the hot sauce world we're going to get to down the road, mm -hmm. but this episode, I really wanted to get into the history. I got such good feedback from episode one from people all over the place. I wanted to shout out uh, my friend Matt, who messaged in. He said uh, he works for the uh, United States Postal Service, and he, he said, I listened to the episode. I really liked it and you know, gave me such good feedback. I was really happy to hear that. Nice. Um, so this episode, I really wanted to start getting into the history because people seem to be really interested in that. There's yes. very limited uh, information on the history, so you kind of have to gather it from here and there. And um, last episode, I had mentioned that there wasn't very much information in the world about Sydney, which is what Wagner turned into. Uh, so I did a lot of digging. I did a lot of research the last two weeks, and I came up with a really good timeline of the Sydney Wagner National uh, timeline. I came up with with a lot of dates and the logos and how you can tell um, how you can date these skillets. Cool. Should we have like? Do you want music for when we dive into History Man? History Man. History Man. Uh, yeah. Uh, can history? we do like some kind of? You want like like? We're gonna get the funny dude. I'm, I talked to a couple people that were like, "So is Full Slice done now?" I'm like, "No. Full Slice is gonna live in each of these episodes. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. We're yeah, gonna have exactly. the funny off turned." topics and stuff like that so yeah. just put on cooking music i can try it all let right. me see all right let's see all right this is the cast iron historian segment of podcast iron oh. today we're gonna delve deep into the early years of wagner 
So why? Because if you get your hands on one of these, you're gonna want to know. Yes. You're gonna want to know about it. You're gonna want to know why do people go after this type of pen when they're out there looking for something? They're, you're gonna want to know what is what so special period? about it. If you have one passed down from your family, why? Why is this such a great? When did it come into your family? Why is it so sought after? And there you go. That this is this is very important to know especially in the world of cast iron. And I just cut that so hard at the end there. That's okay. You really did, but that's okay. So anyway, Wagner, uh, Wagner cast iron was founded in 1891 by Milton W. Wagner. 1891. Yes. And that does not mean that Wagner started in 1891. That's just when the company was founded and they were actually in a course of acquisition, meaning we want to buy out somebody who's already making cast iron to implement our own ideas and get things going in our own way. So okay. for context and time frame, we are only 23 presidents deep into our history. Wow. So just so you know, like a little bit after Lincoln. Like little, three presidents after bit. Lincoln. Was Lincoln much. the 20th president? I think Lincoln was the 17th president, I want to say. Am I really searching what yeah. president was Lincoln? Yeah, yeah. Oh. I think he was the 16th. 16th. Yeah, he was the 16th or 17th. 16th president, yeah. yeah. So, not too much, far away from Not that, too far. Um, so, Milton Wagner founded the Wagner Company in 1891. And the Sydney Foundry. Uh, that was already making cast iron in 1891 in Shelby County in Sydney, Ohio from 1891 to 1897. Okay. So if you have a cast iron skillet that just says Sydney on it with no Wagner, no Ohio, no, no other marks other than Sydney and the number, most likely a six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, maybe an 11. Um, it was most likely made between 1891 and 1897. Pre, so that's actually pre-Wagner then. Right. Wow. But the Wagner Company was founded in 1891 with the ambitions of buying out. So so companies start mm -hmm. with the intentions of acquiring companies yeah, that are already doing what they they're want. They're going to take all these other companies, make a big group, and, Correct. Then, and then put a label right. on all so, of them to right. be one big conglomerate type so, of thing. But I on guess, a much smaller scale in this example. Uh, yeah, in, but, okay. in some small town in Ohio. But anyway, I guess Milton so, Wagner in 1891 saw that the world of cast iron was going to go into a bigger thing yeah. than most people saw, I guess. So in 1897, he bought out the Sydney Foundry owner. His name was Philip Smith. Okay, how much so, did he buy it out for? Uh, it doesn't say. It was an undisclosed amount of money. <sighs> it was believed to be between twenty thousand and thirty thousand dollars. Which, which in eighteen ninety seven, go ahead and yeah, uh, calculate that. Uh, um, inflation calculator. Oh. Yeah, uh, twenty thousand dollars. Just let's just for even numbers. Let's say it's twenty five thousand dollars in eighteen ninety seven. What would that be? Uh, eighteen ninety seven. Whoa. Whoa! $747,906. What did I just say? Three quarters of a million. <laughs> Three quarters of a million. You were right. Well, that that's because you guess. did your research. Yeah, I did, but I didn't say that much. <laughs> you, did, you If you didn't say guess, we could have alluded that it was research. But yeah, so for, for three quarters of a million dollars... <sighs> wow. Uh, I, I thought it was sold. like... So for three quarters of a million dollars, this guy sold his Sydney foundry to Wagner. Yeah, so pretty much he said, hey, we have this already turnkey business going. Would you like to buy it? And then you can put the Wagner name on it. But we want the Sydney name on it because it's made in Sydney, Ohio. So they made some sort of a contractual agreement that it was going to say Wagner and Sydney, which it still did up until 1957. I'll, I'll knock off a quarter mil if you keep the brand keep, on it. Keep the yeah, name, right? Because right. they were very, they were very loyal to their town back in the day. I mean, people still well, people are, are proud. People they were proud. Very proud. That's yes. all. That makes so, uh, that's understandable. Sure. So here we are, 1897. Milton Wagner bought Sydney uh, Foundry owner Philip Smith out. Yeah. So by 1903, Sydney, the name of Sydney Foundry, was actually sold back to Philip Smith. But they never casted Sydney cast iron ever again. So I guess the owner of Wagner at that time took part of the company and said, here, you can buy that Sydney name back and do with it, do with it what you will, because we've already established the Wagner name up to this point, which is weird yeah. that they never did anything with it. But they sold part of the company back to Philip Smith saying, here's the Sydney name. They sold the name back. 
the ability to use that name. So, so there was, so there were some uh, very deep rooted contractual obligations in I order to keep so. sending it. So they wanted but to I, let go of that. Breaking news, by the way, uh, we were going doing this quarter of a million talk here. Uh, that was in 1913 money. The calculator I have here doesn't go back as far, so wow. it probably was over about a million, about a million dollars. Yeah. So by 1903, um, Milton Wagner sold. Uh, Philip Smith back the name Sydney Foundry for him to make cast iron skillets and it never happened. But I guess there was some sort of a stipulation in that contract where Wagner said, hey, listen, we're still using your casting molds. We're still doing business. We're still going to operate under the Wagner name. Okay. So that's weird. You know what I mean? Well, is it just because Wagner didn't have anything and then all of a sudden they showed up and took all their patents and everything. So they basically were saying like, no, uh, no. We're, we're still going to use all your machines and all your patents and everything. Like as far as like the, the casting, those had to be patents that they had and the machines that they had had to be patented. No, but 19, in 1897, Milton Wagner bought the, the whole thing. Yeah, but he they still operate under the name Sydney. Yeah. They were meaning Wagner bought it and said, hey, listen, we're going to make the skillets. Wagner's going to sell them. Under the name Sydney, but they're going to say Wagner. So they're going to say not, both names. Not until 1903. Oh, got it. So in 1903, the guy's like, "Hey, listen, you guys are really doing good with my name. You've built my brand up." And he said, "All right, fine. Well, we'll sell the brand back to you. Here, here you go, yeah. Philip Smith. You can buy Sydney back for whatever amount of money you want. Whatever, whatever they agreed to." Philip Smith bought Sydney back. Never made cast iron under the name Sydney again. And then Wagner started. Blowing up from there. Right, th from there. Okay. So, so yeah, because they finally released the ball and chain there. So. Correct. And during the time when they were casting in Sydney, they did mess around with the name Wagner on some of their skillets. So just to, to give you a couple date marks here, the straight-centered Sydney logo, which is just straight Sydney, right here. Oh, yeah. Straight Sydney with the number, size of the skillet, almost very similar to the um, casting of a Erie skillet with the... Uh, the handle has like kind of a, an edge on it uh, with a it's little kind of like ring. a little peak, like a yeah, like kind a little of triangle. Looks type like of shape they made there. the handle separate and like stuck yeah. it on, but it, it was casted as one piece. But in um, 1897 to 1903, the straight centered Sydney logo was still made. So Wagner operated the Sydney foundry from 1897 to 1903 and manufactured the straight centered Sydney logo. 1897 to 1903. Okay. Also, during that time, they were messing around with branding the Wagner skillets. So they had the straight Wagner logo, which started in 1891, which is when w Milton Wagner founded the Wagner Corporation. So those are the earliest known pans earliest, with the Wagner brand on correct. them, 1891. To 1915. To 1915. So, so if you see a pan with years. a straight Wagner logo, just straight, bland text, yes. Wagner, and it'll be that in the might same, be something to look at. It'll be in the same font and placement as the Sydney Foundry it's pretty much, it's just off center a, a tad, right? It's like you have dead center, then you have just a, a notch up from just that a in the notch middle. Up, in the yeah, middle. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. So basically, I guess the way that I gathered it, because of the lack of information that's out there, Wagner and Sydney kind of got together like, hey, I like what you're doing. Can I make some skillets too together? Can we operate together? I'll give you a piece of my pie. You give me a piece of your pie. It's so sweet. We go together, yeah. blah, blah, blah. It's like kind of, there's, there's so, this, this, this episode should be called the Wagner Gray Area, really, because there's so much overlap in dating these these different castings. I'm noting that. That's a good title. The Wagner Gray Area. <laughs> um, so by the time you got to, you know, the the straight Wagner logo, which was 1891 to 1915, they also messed around with a arched logo, which is like a, you know, just a half circle kind of thing. Um that was 1891-1910 as well. So if you have just any type of skillet that says Wagner, this is before Sydney is introduced to Wagner. So it just so, says Wagner. Why were they? Why were, I guess I guess with they were they were changing equipment a lot or whatever. Why why the change in Basically, the logo so much? Just trying to figure out what what, what their logo because it's a new thing. So they're just trying stuff out, see what what's what what look is right for them or something. I think yeah, they were messing around with stylized logos, but also I think it dates back to or it harkens back to what we talked about in episode one. Remember how I said GM was like GMC and and Pontiac. Cadillac, Chevrolet. They basically had one, one, you know, head brand and yeah. all these different branched styles of the same brand. It was all the same stuff with multi, a different most of the time. Multi-level marketing in 1800 standards. 
so right. to speak. You know what I mean? Like they just were like, hey, let's try it this way. See if people like it. Maybe we should stylize so the logos. marketing, but with I child think, labor. I think because, you know, each one of these is about a 10 year period. So what I think they were doing was, hey, let's see how this one sells. Let's see how this one sells. Let's see. And they couldn't really do it in a year's time. Like during today's standards, it was the 1800s. There was no internet. There was nothing. All they did was write and everything was Pony Express. You know what I mean? Yeah, there was nothing. Sure, sure. So no, they so, had to so experiment with, now with they, that. They had, to, they had to experiment with differing branding techniques. Okay. And that was, definitely, that was basically what this turned into. So changing of the logos you, you will, will help you identify what year this pan is, uh, was made. So, so, so that's some useful information for sure. But what about, um, what about the story here? Where are we? Is, the story, I lost track. This is all overlapping in the early 1890s to mid-1890s. So by oh, 1895, okay. They discovered, okay, people are buying Wagner, people are buying Sydney. Maybe if we combine them, they will show people solidarity with these two companies, showing stability and product quality. So they said, all right, well, let's do a double arc. We'll make it say Wagner and then Sydney under the Wagner, and that'll be our logo with the number at the bottom of the skillet. And we're going to do that until 1915 and see what the numbers show. Did that happen before or after they relinquished the ability to use the Sydney name to the original owner? Well, they... they Milton, what did they relinquish to the original owner? Just just the name. Just the, the name Sydney? Yeah, just the name Sydney. So, so I how guess, come they can use... I guess Wagner Sydney is one name they were going I, with, so it's a different what name. What I gathered from that, that's a great question. What I gathered from that was then in their contract when they sold back the foundry to... Philip Smith for Sydney, they would say, hey, listen, we built your brand up. If you want to buy back the rights to half of your company or whatever percentage of your company, fine. But we're going to use X amount of percentage of the company to add to ours. I think they're just using the loophole saying Wagner Sydney is not Sydney. So it's a different brand. That could be it, too. But I don't think that because guns were very prominent back then and you'd probably get shot for doing that right okay so well, so, basically, so that's interesting that's interesting though so i because what i think what the reason i was asking that is because i think it alludes to also uh, here is a a molding happening you got people that are only sydney people you got people that are only wagner people right. no 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 we're actually one company because in in, in a couple years we're going to drop the sydney name so we want to make sure you guys know that uh, wagner sydney is the same thing right. and then we're going to get rid of the sydney logo that's, so that's what I think. Happened. That could be, that's a good theory too. But the other thing I think, I think that Philip Smith was old and they <laughs> thought he wasn't going to last as long. Okay. And they kind of incorporated his ideas into the whack. All right, just put the Sydney where he wants. We'll see what he, what we, how long we can do this for. So by 1897, they sold. He's old. So by 1897, <laughs> they had the Wagner straight arc or a straight Wagner logo. They had the Wagner arched logo. They had the Wagner Sydney arched logo. And they also had the single arched Sydney logo. And that went from 1897 to 1903. That's the years of the arch, we'll say. Correct. Okay. Now, there's a gray area between 1903 and 1910 when they started the straight-centered Wagner Sydney O. And the Sydney O was then basically saying, okay... I think there was some kind of legal dispute with them saying, okay, Sydney is the town in Ohio. You can't trademark that. We're just going to put that under Wagner so they know where it's made. You can't sue us for that. Oh. That's what I think. So I am wait, going when you say O, are they writing just o. the letter O or O-H? Just the letter O. If you can see if we have any Wagner nearby, I don't know. Okay, so that's what they were doing. They're saying Sydney O. Yeah. They're saying Sydney, Ohio. Sydney, Ohio. No, you can't. Yeah, yeah. no, we're Grab not using their name. You. That one right there. There's, oh. a, there's one hanging above your head. Right there? Nope. To the, that one that right one. there. Yep. Grab that. Flip that over. Yeah. So, okay, that's oh, perfect. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Look at that. It says Wagner Ware, Sydney, Sydney O. o the Wagner Ware comes later, it's but that's It's just the o. letter O with a little dash on the other side. See how Sydney's Sydney. straight block and they didn't stylize it? They I just think wrote that's the part of the contract. That they just wrote the word Sydney. Right. And, oh, so I, that's exactly what that is. Dude, they're there's not, a lot of legal schmeagle. They're not using the name Sydney. They're using the, the place. Location. See, that's yeah. where the gray area comes into yeah. all of this. That's why I think this is an interesting topic. So by 1897 to 1903, you had the straight Sydney arc. And then Wagner discovered that they could just put Wagner. 
the town of Sydney with an O for Ohio. And I think the O was the loophole saying, hey, if yeah. we just establish that this is part of Ohio, it, we don't need to pay you anything. Place, not name. Bye. Bye. Exactly. Bye, Felicia. Exactly. So, so how convenient is that? So by 1910 to 1915, Wagner incorporated the straight center Wagner with Sydney under it straight with the little O under it. And that's when Wagner became their own brand, pretty much. Yeah, because at that point, it was a Wagner located in Sydney, Ohio. Right. And that was what year again? That was uh, 1910 to 1915. 1910 to 1915. Do you have any idea like what a pan like that would have gone for? In 1915, $3, $4. $3, $4. Yeah. Which would have been like I mean, it's money. it's about 200 now if you want to buy one. All right, 1913. Yeah, do 1915, actually. $2. Yeah. It's 60 bucks. Yeah. Today. Right. So, I guess $60 for, I guess if you were to go to the store and buy a new pan, one pan, 60 bucks is, is, is a, a little hefty, pan. Is, is hefty, it's a good pan, right? So that, also, makes, that makes sense. But also back in the day, people knew the longevity of iron. Iron was like backbone of the like industrial revolution well, for this country. Like they knew that iron in, was the way to go. In so. general, back then, everything they bought, they didn't expect it. to have just a couple years. What was they coming out? to have it forever. What was coming out in the 1880s, 1870s, 1880s? Trains. What did trains run on? Tracks. What were the tracks made out of? Iron. Like weren't steel. trains made out of cast iron? Steel. steel the wheels. Iron. The wheels and brakes. Every component was either steel or cast iron. Yeah. So they knew. Wow. This is a. This is a product that's gonna last. This is forever. the stuff that Ugh. trains are made this out of. This is America. So anyway, getting back into <laughs> Put the timeline. Put in that. <laughs> into the, back in the timeline. So by 1915, we're at the arched Wagner logo with the straight Sydney under it, which we're starting to get to that known Wagner logo that yeah, everyone's you're starting to, familiar with. You're starting to detach from the Sydney part now right. is where we're that's just, starting to happen. And think about it. Each one of these these timelines that I gave you, there's at least five to ten years of trial and error under. That's a long time for people to write in, hey, I love this logo. Hey, I don't like this. Hey, this sells. Hey, this doesn't sell. So they're really experimenting with marketing yeah and how things are sold back then so by 1910 to 1915 you have the straight centered wagner logo with sydney o underneath mm -hmm. by 1915 you have the arched wagner straight sydney 1920 you got the stylized wagner which is that fancy w that everybody knows where it said the wagner Walt Disney w right yep. yeah and that says sydney o under it that was 1924 to 1935 24 and to 35, Great Depression W. That's yeah. it. And it just kept going from there. Um, Great Gatsby W. Also, Wagner messed around with that stylized W with the straight Sydney O in the middle of the pan in 1920 to 1935. They kind of played around with that. They had There was different levels of quality pans. You could buy this pan for this much, or this one was a little bit more because the logo's a little bit more in depth. You know what I mean? They, were, they just had different models, different, different things. And... Um, they also messed around, which was called with what was called the pie logo. Oh, I pulled up a picture of it. Yeah, yeah they so called it, it looks like yeah. a pizza. Looks yeah, like a pizza wedge. How, yeah, yeah, it looks like a little square, a little triangle. It says it's Wagner. It says just says Wagner Ware with that stylized W that went for Wagner and Ware, and then it said Sydney O cast iron skillet and that's called the pie logo that was made between 1930 and 1934 very sought out so sought over so you don't have one are they really hard to find or they're very if you find a pie logo they're very hard to find especially one that's nickel plated if you're lucky enough to find one of those that's a very cool find cool so, so uh, did the company stay are they still in sydney now Sydney, Ohio? No, they actually bought, they, uh, Wagner bought Griswold in 1957 and technically they turned into, I, I don't know much of the history after the So 50s Wagner's just it, always been in the buying business. They're out now. Like, they're yeah. done. They, in the nineties, they were making some kind of, uh, some stainless kind of, I, I don't know for sure. Oh, don't really? They're all gone now. They're done. They're out. Yeah. So it's just Griswolds are left. Or so no, it's not nothing. real. Nothing's Griswold left. or Wagner now. Oh, now it's just Wagner like absorbed, <laughs> absorbed Griswold in the fifties. Mainstays, Kingsford. Um, <laughs> you know. But also Wagner, um, they did, I guess, I guess the, the term I like to use, which isn't really the proper term. It's called gypsy, <laughs> gypsy casting, meaning they cast it for other companies being like, yeah, you could use our stuff. What do you want to write? You know what yeah. I mean? What do you okay. want to make? So they also had National, which was uh, made by Wagner in the 1914 to 1930 realm. And between 1914 and 1920, to show their higher quality casting pieces, they also would put a star on uh, 
their pieces. I don't. Do know you have I any have. stars? I don't think I have the. So stuff. National was a sub brand of Wagner. Yep, Wagner casted National. Huh. Um, That's like um, by uh, Walkman's, you know, Panasonic. Right. Their parent company was National. Right. So, <laughs> so it's backwards. But like Griswold, Griswold branched off and did the good health skillet. So Wagner's like, fuck you, man. We're going to do the long life skillet. They made the long life skillet throughout the 1930s Ooh. to compete with Griswold's good health line. Yeah. in long life in the 30s meant more because everyone more. was stretching their dollars yes, back then. Yes, sir. Yeah. That, you're right. The Great Depression that was just about. That makes a lot of yes, sense. Yes, sir. That so, was a good decision. And also to compete with Sears, there was a company called Montgomery Ward. You ever yeah. heard of Montgomery oh, Ward sure. department stores? Wagner casted for Montgomery Ward. Oh. And they made skillets for them. And Sears they did? All, no, no, no. Griswold oh. did Sears. Wagner did. Oh, 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 yeah. oh, 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 oh. They were in direct specific. competition until they were like, hey, man, let's just buy each other out. Didn't mom and dad have a huge book of old Sears catalogs? Yes, they did. I want to look in there. They, had, that, like, they literally had a house for like $15. Yeah, you could buy a Cape house. You could buy a piano. There's all this stuff was in there. And I saw the pans in there too, I remember. So basically, anyway, back to Wagner. So to, to round all this out, Montgomery Ward's department stores went through Wagner to cast their cast iron line. I have a Montgomery Ward cast iron and it was made in the uh, early 1930s to the, the mid to late 1930s. And that turned into Ward way which was the end of the 1930s and then from then on it turned into wagner Ware sydney o which is the logo you all know you all have it's the wagner that looks like the walt disney it's his wagner Ware with a line with a zero in the middle and it has the size at the bottom and i get the dms every day saying how old is this wagner if you have a stylized wagner which is the walt disney w on it it is definitely 1930s and older so you're looking at potentially a hundred year old pan or more absolutely if you got the walt disney w Two on your wagner 1950s oh also also throughout all of this wagner said we want an economy line how do we make a skillet that can sell to people in a lower class that has less money but we can also capitalize on the fact that they need to cook too how could we do this? 30s, Let's, again, cheap. Yes. It, and Make it enter, up in volume. Enter the unmarked Wagner, meaning here's a basic cast iron skillet with your measurement on it, with no fancy frills, just your number, the size. And here it is. And that's it. And, and is that, that what, that's No, that's, that's, that's all Griswold. Oh, so oh, oh. That's an unmarked Wagner right there. See how it just says 10 and a half inch skillet? Yeah. Boom, that's it. You need a skillet? There's a skillet. Okay, so, so how do you know? How do you know that that's what that is, and that just isn't a bland old ten-inch skillet? Uh, basically, the structure because of the casting, the structure, the, the handle, the casting—it's exact replica of a Wagnerware skillet, but it just doesn't say okay. Wagnerware Sydney. Oh, it just was like a bank. Let's you could tell hey, it was the just, same. You could tell yeah. it was the same mold. In other words, like a Hyundai, just a Hyundai. They make fifty Hyundais for every ten Cadillacs. You know what I mean? So, right. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like they just—they—they're like, hey, we could sell this at a reduced rate with less effort, pump out more of them, make it up in volume. Let's make yeah, some money. Yeah, exactly. Economy you know I mean? model. Yeah. So, so they did that when? That was uh, from 1934, 1935 up till 1957. So that, again, knee jerk to the Great Depression probably. Yep, absolutely. The Great so Depression cool. played a huge part in this because there were so many social classes throughout the Great Depression. Everybody thinks that yeah. everybody was poor. Everybody lost all their money. No, it just separated social classes even more. Was Gatsby in the 20s or 30s? I, I think it was know. 20s. What is that? What do you mean? The Great, great Gatsby? The yeah. I don't know. I think it's fictional. <laughs> was that real? <laughs> I don't know, Tyler. Also, War of the Worlds was 1938. What the hell you got? That was real if you think about it. <laughs> I know. I mean, what happened wasn't, but what happened no. was real. Uh, dude, that's so funny to go back and listen to that. How fa how fast they talk. There's a, a Professor Wellmouth at the Wellmouth Farm, and you know what I mean. Yeah, they have like a, they have like a name for that old English uh, speak on the radio. The announcement voice when they would talk about something. Yeah, yeah. We now go to Carl Phillips, who is at the uh, Trenton Observatory in Trenton, New Jersey. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but. Um, but we digress. We digress. But so, that is the history so, of Wagner in a nutshell. Everybody that wants to know about Wagner, that's pretty much all you need to know. If you go back and listen to your listen to what we were talking about, you get all the dates and all the different stuff. Um, right now, so we, I learned. Wait a minute. So how did it? How did it all end? Then how did Wagner end from the fifties? You said that they were making the the pans, the cheap pans, till the fifties, nineteen fifty seven. And they just kept making pans Wagner, regular and cheap and stuff for this for this department well, it's, store. It's not really trailing off. It's almost something for a later episode when we yeah. get into Griswold because Wagner bought Griswold in 1957 and we will touch on that in a later episode. Oh, got teasing, it. Teasing, I like teasing, it. teasing. Thank you. Tease me. Very nice. 
Cool, man. So, <laughs> get a clap. Yeah. All right, we're gonna All take right, everybody. Yeah, taking a quick save break. We'll be right back. Okay, you want to do that? We can do that. Welcome back, guys. Yeah. Podcast Iron. Did you learn a lot there about the Wagner? Did you take notes? Consider me enriched. That's it, no, right? No, that was That's great. what this no, is for. It was it was interesting for the owner and the prospector yeah. of a future Wagner pen. Not only are you going to know which ones to go after, but if you find one in your hands, you might actually figure out now when it was made, and that might make it all right. that more special to you. So yep, very cool. I love it. We're I, moving on. I wanted to shout out and thank one of my followers, Chris, uh, Chris J. He reached out and uh, gave me a little bit of information. His family actually bought the... The Wagner Foundry, the building that the Wagner Foundry was in, and was able to give me a little bit of historical information. When the like the original, yes. first Wagner, the original Wagner. Really? Yeah. Yep. That's I also, cool. For the Griswold series, I have a listener, two listeners who lived within a block of the original Erie Griswold Foundry, and one who went in there was able to was part of the. Not demolition, but part of the like deconstruction of everything going on, and they had all this cool information that I just oh. saved up. So that'll be in the Griswold episode. But that would be good. That would be cool to get them on here to talk about that. Well, they they basically just said, "Hey, this is what I have. If it can help you out, you know, with with uh, hist- hi- uh, the historical aspect and dating, here's the info." They a lot of the followers don't want to be you know involved yeah, like but, that like they right. don't want to be they just want to be part just, of it they just want to help it grow they don't right. want to yes. uh, they, the, don't, they don't want to take a rose they want to water the the bush absolutely <laughs> dude that's a good way to put it um <laughs> So to uh, cool. mo- well, mo- well, moving forward, thank you for the, thank you to them. Then that's yes, nice. thanks to yeah. them. Thanks um, to them. Thank you guys. Moving forward, I wanted to make a big announcement. Uh oh, more clapping coming up. Um, I have been asked to be the official judge of the Boston Hot Sauce Festival. What? Yes, no. the sole judge. So they go around and they do like a a the Boston Hot Sauce. Festival. Festival. Yes. That'll be in April of this year. Um, What they do is they have almost like a crowd, the crowd favorite of every every type, like the hottest, the most flavor, the garlic, the sweet, the blah, blah, blah. And it's my job to take the crowd favorites and distinguish the winners of each category. And I have been asked to do this. And I am accepting and I will be at the Boston Hot Sauce Festival this year, 2023, Look out! Wow, that's a big that's a big deal, and it's exciting. So I mean, it's, it's a lot to. That's a lot of that is. is wouldn't you a consider that a lot of pressure? Because like everybody's gonna go and say, "Oh, well, this pan was the winner yeah. of last year," and they're gonna yeah. be like, "Under whose authority? This, this sauce <laughs> Under your the, authority?" Yeah. Like, like I mean, obviously you have some merit when it comes to. Uh, you have some input. You've you've been in this. You're in this the category. You're in game, this yeah. world. Yep. You're in the game. So it's not outlandish for your opinion to hold some sort of weight. So right, right, right. And, and they recognize that. So it's very cool. It's very exciting. So when is that taking place again? That is the last weekend of April. I will have the specific dates. Um, I believe in about two seconds. If you want to wait, it is. Um April 29th and 30th. <laughs> April 29th and 30th. Yes. April 29th and yep. 30th, 2023. I will be there. Yep. I will have a little booth with some, uh, I'm actually going to have some economy cast iron. I'm going to be trying to blow out the lines on that unmarked Wagner stuff I was just talking about because oh. it's a hot sauce show. It's not necessarily a cast iron show. So if you want to come and get some good stuff for a low price, check out the Boston Hot but Sauce that's Festival. that's what your game is. And, when, and where is this again? It is in Boston. Um... <laughs> <laughs> the end. It is at a at April 29th and 30th. It is at the Speedway at 12 or 1420 Soldier Field Road, Boston, Massachusetts 02135. Very cool, man. Very good. Very looking very forward cool, to it. Very nice uh very nice expo. I know you can't see that because you're listening, but it's like a nice little building, nice expo center. Boston Hot Sauce Festival. It's check out their cool. Instagram page. You can see for yourself. Yeah, actually if you want to go on Instagram, you could check out at Boston Hot Sauce Festival and you could uh, see You'll, some posts about who's gonna be there, what what companies are gonna be there. Yeah, it's um, a little way it's a little bit of a reach away. So follow them on Instagram that way you're caught get up out on way what, in front of it. Absolutely. Get, that way you're caught up on when it's gonna happen and uh, you don't forget about it either. I so. have 
have some yeah. proclivities about some companies that are going to be there, and I'm really what? excited. It uh, excited it. Um, proclivities? Yeah, proclivities, meaning like some stuff that's going to happen. Some foresight. What? Define the word proclivities. Okay. Proclivity means a tendency to choose or do something regularly. An inclination or predisposition toward a particular thing. Inclination and predisposition, meaning Where the I know. Heck did you hear that word so per, before? Uh, actually, the movie Con Air, John Malkovich. Proclivity. Proclivities. Okay, meaning information that you're going to have before, some foresight. I see. Meaning, I know some of the companies that are going to be there before they've announced that they're no, going to I, be there. I gotcha. I was just shocked to hear such a word. Actually, <laughs> I've used it in my. I try to use like better mm. vocabulary to. Not to sound smart, but to actually educate, keep myself on a, a spectrum of... To keep myself just a smidge above the rest. No, douche. I know, I know. I'm just kidding. Keep yourself a little bit sharper. I got you. But anyway, one of the companies nice. that I think I cannot confirm nor deny will be there is going to be a company that I really enjoy. Um, Hook and Arrow Company, a condiment company. They released today... A two hot sauce pack of a raspberry ghost pepper and a blueberry ghost pepper hot sauce for breast cancer awareness. Um, October is breast cancer awareness month, uh, as we yes. all know. So. And I visited their stand at the um, New York City Hot Sauce Expo, and they were explaining to me how breast cancer in males and female, females and males affected their family and how important it is for them and what they wanted to do to give back to the community because they've started this successful company, Hook and Arrow, which I have three or four of their hot sauces in my fridge. Um, so they actually like a donation or something when you buy uh, buy a, this kit? A certain percentage of uh, the sales of each box go towards uh, breast cancer. And they had uh, samples at the New York City Hot Sauce Festival, so I got to try the raspberry, and or the strawberry, and the blueberry ghost, and I was really happy to do that. Um, Henry and his brother run a really great company, Hook and Arrow Co. Uh, on Instagram, it's hookandarrow.co. Um, it's $30 for the two pack of hot sauces, and it goes to a good cause, so that makes it even better. And go check them out. They're doing really good stuff. One of my favorite hot sauces on rotation in my fridge right now is their cayenne sauce, which is like a traditional hot sauce. They're doing a lot of good things. And hint, hint, wink, wink, look out for some stuff in the future, possibly involving Cast Iron Kyle with some of their hot sauces. It's Halloween. I'm being spooky. But that is exciting. So basically, that is my announcements. So those are the announcements for today. Very good. Yes, sir. Um, I'm gonna I, get more. I'm gonna get more transitional music back. Yeah, so right now, I only good. have. This is good. Right I like now, this. I only have two to choose from. I'm working on getting more. <laughs> I like it though. I do like it. Helps it helps move things along. It signifies we got a clean cut. Absolutely. Onto the next thing. So what is that next thing? The next thing is what I teased in episode one, where I wanted to talk about proper maintenance. Oh yes, yes, so, that he, is so important. Here soap we are. Or not soap. Here we are. Right? Yes. Actually, do you remember? Let's talk about the full slice podcast days when we had chemist Ashley Clark on our podcast. Do you remember I, that? Yes, I do. She's going to be on this podcast talking to us about the chemical properties of soap and why soap does not belong on cast. That's perfect. An actual authority on the subject. It's an not an opinion. Authority. A chemist. We're going to have a chemist on to help explain why you should not use soap. Perfect. I, I, I'm so excited. I can't wait. Because I'm See? so tired of hearing the back and forth of do it, don't do it. People that say you should do it, don't do it. And you people that do do it, don't. I, I, I don't. You're I, absolutely. Give me the science. Right. Give me the yes or no. So that's that's another little uh, interesting little teaser there, there yeah. for some of the things that we got going. So on. as far as what we're talking about today, cleaning wise, what did you want to talk about? Basically, the maintenance of cast iron is very cool. Um, it's very very cool. Basically, the maintenance of cast iron <laughs> is very cool. very simple. So, cool. um, so basically, I just I, I had done Ladies. an event. I did an event last weekend at the West Windsor uh, Farmer's Market, which you guys came out and visited me, which was really yeah, cool. It was very quite neat. Quite a buzz at that tent, and that was cool, man. That was it was neat. It was neat seeing all that, all that also, action there. shout out to NJ1015 for the wonderful article they did on the Farmer's yeah, Market. I saw uh, that. Very cool. really cool. NJ1015.com, check it out. They did a nice little write-up on yes. Kyle's table there. Yes, they yeah, did. Was I was really appreciative of that, and what I taught most of the people that came to buy something from me was that cast iron is very overthought. Yeah, right. People are, I got to polymerize it at 500 degrees for two hours upside down in my oven with avocado oil refined. No, nope, 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 nope. 
It's basically here. You got your cast iron, you buy it from me, okay? You get your, ca- your pan in the mail, you open it up, you rinse it off, you look at it, you say, wow, what a nice pan Kyle gave me. Wow. <laughs> wow. You rub it down with a little bit of oil, whatever oil you want to cook with, okay? Save this part right here. I'm going to give it all to you right now. Rub it down with a little oil, the back, the handle, the cooking surface, everything. Say, wow, what a wonderful pan. Put a little oil in the cooking surface. Sorry, I wanted to do this so you could be like thinking like, <laughs> wow, put a wonderful bit. pan Kyle got me. Wow, bacon. that's what Bacon's thinking. I can't wait to go into this thing. Oh my God, look at that wonderful Wapak number seven. I can't wait to cook myself in this. Um, so anyway, <laughs> cook myself. Bacon. <laughs> so basically what you want to do is you want to oil before, during, and after. That's my, my basic principles. Oil the pan up before you cook in it. So put oil a little, it up. What oil are you putting in it? I like to use refined avocado oil because okay. it has a high smoke point. You can cook anything you want in it. High smoke, smoke point is? Meaning uh, avocado oil, if I'm uh, testing me here without my, my book, but uh, avocado oil, I believe, is over 500 degrees. You can oh, cook and then it and it won't smoke. And then it starts smoking. So right. that's why it's right. nice to use that yes. because you can you cook anything get, in it and it won't burn up. Okay. And what do you do? Just toss them on there and then a paper bit. towel and wipe, wipe yep. down or a sponge? or Put a little avocado oil on it, rub it around all over every surface of the pan and put it on your burner, get going, put a little in the pan like you're going to cook an egg or whatever. Okay. Cook whatever you want and just make sure you move the pan a little bit so you don't get it to stick. And once it's not sticking, it's not going to stick. Does that yeah, make sense? Because that means like, now the oil's under it. Absolutely. Under the food. Now the oil's under right. there nice and even. You so got your egg ready to go. You give it a anywhere. little flip. You cook some bacon in there. Give it a little flip. Cook whatever you're going to cook. Take it out of the pan. And then when you're done, let the pan cool down a little bit. Do not put any cold water or any, any water for that fact into a hot pan because you can crack it because that's what happens when you put hot and cold together. I was going to ask that. Yeah. Right. So, so let it cool down to room temperature bit. naturally. Yeah, I mean, it can be warm to the touch. But, but just enough to yeah. clean it. Yeah. Enough to yeah. clean it, but don't do it artificially. Let you it You can also put a little water in it and put it back on the stove, heat it up, get it to boiling point and then turn the stove off. Either way, whatever. Get a little moisture in there and get yourself a little stainless steel wool. Give yeah. yourself a little scrub. Get, okay. If any food particles are stuck, just make sure you lift them. That's all you have to do. So not like a Brillo pad or anything else like just that? Just stainless like, steel wool. That's okay. It. No soap. No no sponge. No SOS pad with built-in soap. None of that shit. No sponge. None of Nothing. that either. Get Why yourself, not? Because it does. it's not necessary. It's just. It's well, I mean, so everybody simple. has a sponge in their house. They don't have. Steel There's no wool. abrasive nature to a sponge. It's that's not why, do that's why I'm asking because oh, okay. most people don't have steel right. wool in their house. They have a sponge. In uh, if you go to castironkyle.com, you go to my recommended products. You will see a stainless steel wool set, which is like ten stainless steel wool balls for like X amount of dollars. Super cheap. Perfect. Super 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 able to do, and it'll last you forever. Take your stainless steel wool and lift any food particles if there are any. If as your pan gets seasoned, you'll be less and less sticking as time goes on. Yeah. Get that, get that stuff to lift, rinse it out, take a paper towel, dry off the water, rub a little of your oil of preference on the pan, and that's it. So you're just, you're just using water and friction, and that's it. That's it. That's it. So the idea then is like, what if, so if you're cooking like bacon in it or something that has a real heavy aroma when you're done with it, you kind of want that to stick around in the pan? You want that oil to break down into the pan and and quote unquote polymerize into the pan because that'll just add to the non, to the nonstick nonstick slash seasoned nature of your pan. And you can eat the bacon. You can save the grease for cooking next time. And then all you need to do is stainless steel wool, a little of that gunk that sticks from the bacon. Because anytime you cook bacon, you get that little gunk that sticks sometimes, you know? Well, yeah, there's always little, little any, anything always. little thin that splatters anytime anywhere. Anytime you're cooking anything. Or egg or, or steak, anything. There's going to be something that turns extra crispy on the right. outside Just of the get edges that somewhere. out. Get down to bare metal. Rinse it out. Dry it off. Put a little oil. And that's it. You don't need to bake it. You don't need to... Right. No, so what's no. that whole thing about seasoning them then where you had people like smoking them out where they would like put some oil on it and then smoke it out like put it in their oven preheat their oven to a high amount and leave it in there like uh that's that's when you initially get a pan that needs to be re- like oh that's restored. when you're when you're when that's you're rest- seasoning that's a that's an episode down the road on restoration that's an that's a restoration this step. Is that's when not you, that's not a maintenance step this is actually pretty much like if you were to order a pan from me what you would expect 
it's already ready to go. Ready and to now go. here's how to eat here's it. Here's how to eat it. Here's how to eat with it. I eat cast iron. Here's how to <laughs> eat with it. Your teeth must be great. Absolutely. So sharp and strong. Or if you buy a pan that's already ready to go, and a vintage pan that is seasoned, ready to go. So that's this another is how topic later it. is if you get one that's like in the dirt from a flea market. <laughs> that's different. That's yeah, how that's, you do. That's what you're talking about. Like right. how you give them a bath and you... Tell them a bedtime story. And <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Season them and throw them in the oven. <laughs> yes. So basically, you yeah, don't yeah. have to overthink cast iron. The simpler you think about it, the easier it is. And the method that I really try to get people to implement is to just keep cooking. Just keep cooking. The Dory keep, method. Yeah, the Dory method. Just keep cooking. Just keep cooking. What do we do? We cook. <laughs> But anyway, uh, yeah, yeah that's that's where we're at with that. So it's just cook, enjoy, cool down, water, steel wool, rinse, dry, oil, put away. Yeah, that's it. And oil it up. Don't be afraid to oil it up. Put it, leave it, leave it on your stove. It's an it's, art, a, it's a piece of art. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, a lot, like especially especially if it's a piece of history, you're not going to just like shove that in a cabinet with the rest of your crappy pans. You're going to put no. that on a display, yes. and you'll see people hanging up on display all the time. Absolutely. I remember growing up, didn't we have one? Or I know our grandma had one hanging up. That like, Remember there was a thing for a while where people had cast iron pans with paintings on the back of them or something oh, like that? Oh, yeah. We had that in our basement. Yeah, that's that's right. There it was. There was a Birmingham stove and rage made in Alabama. Now now <laughs> that I think back to what that pan was and what I know now, I could be like, I know what that was. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's interesting to be able to go back to it. I know but. where you've been. You see that cast iron uh, rabbit? chocolate mold see yes this is this is the interesting part that we forget about sometimes kyle and i have gone uh picking together a bunch of times and he'll come across like the the bottle openers that you mount on the wall the uh that the, are like a bird mouth or something Dude. a bird beak right a bird mouth uh you know what i mean but like you'll, you'll come across other interesting pieces made out of cast iron that of course are going to be around forever so here you have chocolate bunny mold Three, a three, a pair, a pair of three, a set of three. I mean, pairs two, chocolate bunny molds. That's so cool. And they clip together. They're yeah. For Easter, you pour the chocolate in, and the Dude, molds clip back together. This you should is, totally this is, try doing something with that. I think so too. I like, think I should what do Jello. Do, Jello. Jello Rabbit. That sounds like a J- punk band. Jello Rabbit. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we have Jello Rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jello Rabbit. Um, but yeah, this is an antique chocolate mold. Uh, most likely, it was made from one. There was one mold, but they like kind of. You could see where they like soldered it together. I'm gonna actually post this to uh, Podcast Iron on Instagram. Yeah, you should check Podcast Iron. I was say check the Instagram for that one because that's a really interesting piece. And that's the thing you, you will find other things. And then you got this one here is actually painted. This At is Podcast t- underscore Iron. Uh, we have 103 followers already. Oh, really cool. I didn't realize we had an Instagram. I, I made one. That's a good idea. That is right. So now this bottle opener, this is cool. This is a circus, um, early 1920s painted. It's like a ringmaster? Yeah, but it's, he has He's got two like the, sets uh, of Monopoly eyes. Monopoly guy mustache. So basically. Two sets of eyes. He does. See that? Why? So basically what that's, what that's telling you is not everything you see is what you think it is. Everything you see could be an illusion at some point or another. Mm-hmm. So that's what the double eyes are telling you. Prescription this eyeglasses actually, cost this twice is, as much. This is spoken for for um, a very well-known chef's wife. This is funny the way this. you're holding it. It looks like you're biting your thumb. <laughs> <laughs> like a baby. <laughs> I'm going to add this. So. I'm going to actually put this on podcast iron as well. <laughs> I mean, you might as well so that people listen to know what we're talking about here. But So that's that's an interesting that's yeah. an interesting category to get into one day. What's the other neato things you've come across that are cast iron related that are not pans? You so, know? Some other things. So at the, the I was just going to the corn thing. Oh, dude. So anyway, there's these, these cornbread pans yeah, that's that are made um they're called the crispy cornbread pan wagner has the crusty cornbread pan to compete with like griswold corn stalk yeah but they're literally little 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 ears of corn that people baked cornbread in but they're a pain in the asshole to clean out all the little for so, each little lump of yeah it's corn it's, in there whatever what are those called it's just little knobs little knobs knobs with juice it has the juice. Oh, the um, corn kid. Yeah, the corn kid. So <laughs> basically, I thought... that one. So it's, it's in my best interest to have an educated consumer saying, hey, there's multiple things you could do with this product. Correct? Sure. Correct. So... It's not just for the one person who's looking to make cornbread. Right. So I took <laughs> the two... 
uh, cornbread pans and I put bratwurst in them. And I put uh, them on the grill and put the top part, the, the other cornbread pan on top of it, almost making like an oven effect. Little tiny ovens for each individual bratwurst. And I will tell you that those brats cooked so well. I believe so it. So wonderful. That's the big perk of cooking with cast iron, right? Is that it cooked even. that even distribution even. of the heat. So now you got that happening like six, seven times per yeah. brat, one each per yep. bratwurst. So Dude, that real one that's almost a great, like... That's a great reuse. Excuse me. That's a great reuse of that. That repurpose, I should say. Of that that reel was the fastest reel I've ever posted that went to 10,000 views within good, 24 it's hours. Good idea. It's almost like a five hook. So what I want to do with the next one, the next set, I want to oil one up really good and put a uh, breakfast sausage in one and then pour uh, scrambled eggs on top. Oh my God. That's right. such a good idea. Such a good idea. idea. See, yeah, any little chops of, chops of uh, ham or bacon yeah, or anything little, and little, cheese couple, and onion. Couple little of hot sauce. Yeah. Oh yeah. White yes. House Station. Hook yes. and arrow? Oh, yeah. That'll be really good. Really that's good. That's a great idea. Um, and, and it's easy enough to clean out the egg from any nook or cranny that's left behind, especially if you oil it enough. Well, I'm just thinking about like enough. putting it on the sidewalk and just power washing it at that point, like how in-depth it would be to clean that out. Yeah. You know what? As a matter of fact, forget everything you just heard in this podcast. <laughs> Go to Lowe's. <laughs> no, no, don't. Go no, to Lowe's. No, 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 no. Oh, craftsman gosh. power washer <laughs> so if you're listening right sidewalk. now i am uploading a picture of the illusionist uh circus bottle opener on uh podcast underscore iron on instagram please follow the page that is my official backup account you can send your questions there or at cast iron underscore kyle um i also wanted to talk about real quick before we wrap up the show um one of my great affiliates at stay classy meets they have the elk ribeyes back right now, which is one of their most popular products, one of the best products I've ever had. Elk ribeye, okay? Ooh. Yeah, what did you make for me when we were testing out those pans? Elk. Oh, dude. You they, made elk steak, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yes. Very good. Very yes. good. Their meats are like... so. That when was you, theirs, wasn't it? Yes, it was. When, yeah. you buy, when you buy meat from the grocery store, there's so many middlemen involved. You have a processor, you have a grower, you have a harvester, you have ranching, it's so many things. When you buy from Stay Classy Meats, you actually buy it from the people that raise the meat. I was on the phone with the owner, and he's like, hey, I gotta go real quick. We gotta go find these bison that are roaming somewhere out here. And they literally went on horseback to find the fucking bison to harvest them to get the steaks out of them. You don't get that very often. John so, Wayne himself is hunting this stuff down. Well, listen here, partner. If you go to stayclassymeats.com and you use promo code SEASON OR DIE, you'll get 10% off. That's a good deal. Your Bill whole Trump. order. Go ahead over there and check it out. Get those elk steaks. They also have every, they have venison. They have elk steaks. They have good poultry. They have fresh steak. They have different uh, you know different cuts of, of meat, different cuts of beef. They have also fresh seafood. The best haddock. The best salmon I've ever had. Stay classy meats. Promo code season or die. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Podcast Iron. I am Cast Iron Kyle with my brother Tyler. That's me for another episode. Thanks for hanging out. listening to Podcast Iron. To find out what Kyle has in his kitchen, visit castironkyle.com for his latest list of recommended products. And be sure to follow him on Instagram at castiron underscore Kyle.